0: Our scripture this morning comes from Mark 7 1 through 23. The Pharisees and some of the scribes who had come from Jerusalem gathered around him. They observed that some of the disciples were eating bread with unclean, that is, unwashed hands. For the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they have given their hands a ceremonial washing, keeping the traditions of the elders. When they come, from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they have washed. And there are many other customs that they, keep, that they received and keep, such as the washing of cups, pitchers, kettles, and dining couches. So the Pharisees and scribes asked him, Why don't your disciples live according to the traditions of the elders instead of eating bread with ceremonially unclean hands? He answered them, Isaiah prophesied about you hypocrites, As it is written, This people honors me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain, teaching as doctrines humans command. Abandoning the command of God, you hold on to human tradition. He also said to them, You have a fine way of invalidating God's command in order to set up your tradition. For Moses said, honor your father and mother, and whoever speaks evil of father or mother must be put to death. But you say, if anyone tells his father or mother, whatever benefit you might have received from me is Corban. That is an offering devoted to God. You no longer let him do anything for his father or mother. You nullify the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down, and you do many other similar things. Summoning the crowd again, he told them, Listen to me, all of you, and understand, nothing that goes into a person from the outside can defile him, but things that come out of a person are what defile him. When he went into the house away from the crowd, his disciples asked him about the parable. He said to them, Are you also lacking in understanding? Don't you realize that nothing going into a person from the outside can defile him? For it does not go into his heart, but into his stomach, and is eliminated. Thus he declared all foods clean. And he said, what comes out of a person is what defiles him. For from within, out of people's hearts, comes evil thoughts, sexual immoralities, theft, murder, adulteries, greed, evil actions, deceit, self-indulgence, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. All these evil things come out from within and defile a person. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Thanks be to God. Thank you. To the, to the scripture before, I preach it with you all, and I always think, If I hadn't studied this this week, would I be confused? I think I know the answer. Uh, (laughs) So my hope is is to explain to you uh, this scripture. The Bible says that all scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable. There's nothing that we're going to read in the scripture that doesn't have something to speak to us. So we can trust that even though we might read the scripture at first and go, I'm not quite sure what that's trying to say. We can trust that God intended the scripture to speak to our hearts even today. All right, what what, what we'll get into, what the scripture is teaching us is this. We need something more than religious acts to save us. We need something more than religious acts or rituals to save us. We must be clean from the inside out through the cross of Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit. We're going to jump in the text. Let's ask the Lord for help. Father, would you help us to understand your word that nothing is written by accident or by chance, but you have sovereignly placed it in front of us so that we could know who you are, we could know who we are and what you have done for us and what you, how you call us to respond. So Lord, open up our eyes that we might see marvelous and great things in the scriptures and that our hearts will be drawn nearer to you in worship and obedience. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so the first thing that's going on here is they talking about washing your hands, all right? Now, when I first started reading this, the scripture, the scripture about ceremony unclean, clean hands Washing your hands, and you don't eat without washing your hands. All this kind of jazz, like that. I started thinking about my sister, who's in public health, and I bet she's like, "Y'all better wash your hands," you know. <laughs> like, so let, let's dig in. What, what does he talk about? Is this about bacteria? it's not. All right, listen. So the Pharisees, these are religious leaders. The Pharisees and some of the scribes who had come down from Jerusalem gathered around him. They observed that some of his disciples were eating bread with unclean, that is, unwashed hands. For the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they give their hands a ceremonial washing keeping the tradition of the elders. When they came from the marketplace, they do not, not eat unless they have washed. And there are many other customs that they keep. kind of name some stuff. And so the Pharisees and the scribes asked him, why, Jesus, don't your disciples live according to the tradition of the elders? So there's a couple of things going. And the first verse of, of the chapter, it says that the Pharisees and some of the Christ had come down from Jerusalem. So they went from one city to another city, mainly to pick a fight with Jesus. That, that's the whole, like, they wanted to come, they wanted to find some sort of issue with Jesus so they could have an argument like how was he failing? There was some jealousy, they didn't like the power and, and the influence that he was having, so they was feeling some kind of way. Now that's a kind of a little bit of a sermon point that sometimes people will go out their they to message you, alright? But what is this about washing hands? So this is not primarily about hygiene, this is this is centuries before bacteria theory came out, okay? It's not about hygiene, but it's about religious purity. In other words, they thought that others were spiritually dirty. And they had been around some, maybe some sinners. And so they had to, to clean themselves before they would eat. Not because they wanted to have squeaky clean hands, but because they looked down on the others that were around them. If you, if you pay attention, it says particularly when they would go to the marketplace and come back. The marketplace is kind of like the grocery store. Who go to the grocery store? Everybody. All kinds of people go to the grocery store. And so they go into the grocery store and they're looking at everybody. I bet they unclean and he unclean and he unclean. He probably messed up. When I get home, I need to wash that filth off of me. It's, it's, it's not about it's not about bacteria it's not about germs it's about i I am questioning the the spiritual state of those around me I need to do some some tradition and some ritual to say no i'm I'm separate from that they were they were some that they're looking down on others and and though though it's not common that that there's a ceremonial cleansing we have I'm sure we've experienced religious people looking down on us yeah I'm sure we've experienced, maybe it was a glance, a look, a word, a statement. They said something that ultimately was not for our good. It was for their own good so they could feel better about themselves and to make us feel like we're outside. That, that, is, that is what's going on with this whole argument. See, they, they have these extra traditions. If, if, you, if, you, if you listen carefully, it doesn't say that they were looking to the Old Testament that told them to do these ceremonial washes. So they had some traditions that they adhered to. They sought these extra traditions to make themselves feel closer to God. Let me find some some extra things that make me feel extra spiritual. And what's interesting is, is we can seek to do extra things for God to make sure that we feel better while neglecting to do what he directly commands. One of, one of, the, one of the, 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 the things that I've I've noticed is that there's this there's this ritual in our society and, and and I want to call it social media outrage. Okay? Something happens that your people don't like, your tribe, your crew, whoever it is. And then people get to like that Kermit the Frog emoji, just typing all crazy, and they start writing paragraphs, and and, and they think they, they think they're being religious and good and right. But it stops there. They have vented their emotion. They have felt good about themselves so they can move on with their lives. But that's not what Jesus told us to do. If something truly concerns you, Jesus calls you to go and serve somebody. Yeah? Yeah. So you you can know just from the the, the liturgy of outrage, as as I would call it, the liturgy of outrage is the religious act that makes you feel good and feel superior about those other people who ain't posting what you're supposed to be posting. But that's not what Jesus asked you to do. So you can you can create a thing that makes you feel good, makes you feel morally or socially superior. But it was not a direct command. It's something that somebody else made up. And so we can, we can seemingly have these religious acts as, as a bandage to cover our moral wounds. I don't want you to really see the state of my heart, so I'm going to do some hand tricks. Look over here, look over here. Don't look at the actual state of my heart. This is what's going on with the Pharisees. They're like, look, look, look how much i wash my hands. You see how clean I am? And they're not asking about the heart. And then they look down on others who did not hold their tradition. Now here's something. I, here's a claim I want to make. Everybody has a fundamentally religious outlook, even if they're irreligious. Everybody has a fundamental religious outre- outlook, even if they're religious, because there is some either higher power or sometimes it's an ideal that we think we ought to conform ourselves to. Yeah. We can, see, we can see it both on, on the conservative right and the progressive left. There's an ideal, there's a set of values, there's some actions, whether it's God or not. And if you don't do it, you have done something wrong. There's an ideal to conform yourself. And it, 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 it doesn't matter if you're seeking some particular good of a particular social order, there's some actions, even if you don't believe in God, there's some actions that you will do so that somebody makes you feel good. That they can put a stamp of approval on you and say they are a moral person. Even if it's not not God, it might be society or your group. And we make various rules to do this, like the aforementioned liturgy of social media outreach. Let me make sure I'm on the right side. Let me make sure I said the right thing so that they know that I have the right thoughts, whoever they is. Whether it's God or not, there's some ideal, some higher power, something we're trying to appeal to. Why? So that we can feel good about ourselves that we have been acceptable on some scale. And the reality is we're tempted to look down on others when they do not live up to our standards. Even if they're not the standards that God has. Maybe, maybe my group has set some sort of standards and if you don't meet them, you are immoral and you need to repent. You need to change. See, The, the reality is religious acts can make us feel good But they can also cover failure to keep God's command. Now, let's see what Jesus said in verse 6. He answered them Isaiah prophesied correctly about you hypocrites, as it is written, The people honor me with their lips, but their heart, their heart is far from me. They worship me in vain, teaching as doctrines human commands. Abandoning the command of God, you hold on to human tradition. And then Jesus goes to give an example of how they did that. He also said to them, you have a fine way of invalidating God's command in order to set up your tradition. For Moses, i.e. the Old Testament, Moses said, honor your father and your mother. And whoever speaks of father and mother, speaks evil of father and mother, must be put to death. Now, listen, if if you mad at your kid, if you a kid mad at your parents, at least you didn't live in the Old Testament. okay? Anyway, But you say, if anyone tells his father or mother, whatever benefit you might have received from me is Korban. That is an offering devoted to God. You no longer let him do anything for his father or mother. You nullify the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down. And you do other stuff like that. What's going on here? So Korban so Cor- was this, this, this thing that the religious leaders uh, had, had uh, made up. And it was this idea that, you, let's say, you had a, a lump sum of money, right? In and in a tradition in which there, was no, there wasn't no, like retirement. So your money was supposed to go to help your parents when they couldn't work anymore. At least a portion of it. And so what they would do is say, hey, I know you have that, that money set aside to help your people, but if you say it's devoted to God, if you, say, if you earmark it, this is for the temple, then we will release you from that, that commitment to take care of your parents. Now, what the irony is, who got the money? The, the same religious leaders who made up the rule. <laughs> They're the ones who got the money. And so, so listen, if you, was, if you was feeling salty towards your dad, and you were like, I don't like you, Korban! Corban. Look, Dad, the Lord got hold of my heart, and I know you needed this money for some food. But look, I earmarked it for God. And they would have went to the religious leader to say, "Hey, my, the, the, my, my kids ain't taking care of me." That's, that's, the, that's the, 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 the social custom, and they was like, "He said it was Corban, man. What you gonna do?" So the reality is, someone could have been mad and holding anger and hatred in their hearts towards their parents. And they could have covered it up with this religious tradition and made themselves feel good and made the temple get some more money. So Jesus wasn't just saying anything. He's like, let me give you an example of how it goes down. Let me be clear. They used a religious motivation, a religious tradition, a religious custom to get themselves out of obeying what God clearly said. You think could that, could that happen now? I think it could. A lot of times it'll, it'll work like, listen, listen, I know I didn't obey God here, okay? But I did this other thing. I'm gonna tell you, I'm, this, I can't even make this up. There's this guy, he used to come to the church in the middle of the week. He'd come in there and he would put some money in a little plate. I said, hey man, we're here on Sundays. You can come then. He'd be like, nah, nah, I don't need to come then. But I'm giving money. We got this clear command that you should go worship with God's people. But he wanted to obey this obscure custom that he made. Now, in his heart, he felt good. He did something. But he didn't obey the clear command. Or or, or sometimes we say Christian jargon, but have no intention of obeying God. So, you know, you can be talking to somebody about a particular aspect of their life, and one of the, my favorite statements is somebody said, well, God knows my heart. What that means is that, stop talking to me about that. <laughs> God knows my heart means, don't, don't worry about what I'm doing. I'm going to do what I want to do. But what did they do? They used religious language to cover it up. Yeah? They used some, some super spiritual stuff. What did Jesus say? That, that their lips, their lips are saying, yeah, I follow you. But, but their hearts don't. Because they're using made up stuff to make themselves feel better and make them feel closer to God. But they actually don't want to obey what's clear. Now, the reason that this doesn't work is because our spiritual problem is is much deeper than simply behavior. In verse 14, it says, someone in the crowd again, he told them, listen to me, all of you and understand nothing that goes into a person from outside can defile him. But the things that come out of a person are what defile him. Now, the reason he said that is one of, the reasons, one of the things that the religious leaders cared about a lot is they cared about what they ate. Now, it is true that in the Old Testament, there was a, a, a dietary law, all right? And they thought, man, if I follow this dietary law, I'll be fixed if I do this 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 religious act. If I do this this this, this act that kind of can be a little bit separated from my heart, I'll be good. If I if I adopt the right outward behaviors, then that will will be the 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 green light for my spiritual life. They misunderstood their spiritual problem. It wasn't simply that, that they sometimes didn't disobey God. That's not. That's not the problem. The real spiritual problem is not something outside of us or a ritual that we do or do not do. The real spiritual problem is us. And a lot of the time we want to run away or blame or point to somebody else about our problem. But but listen, you can't run away from yourself. Jesus goes on to elaborate that, that our spiritual problem is not simply that we do or do not do some actions or some religious things. Our real spiritual problem is that we have an evil heart. Look at verse 17. It says, when he went away from the crowd, his disciples asked him about the parable. He said to them, are you also as lacking in understanding? Don't you realize that nothing going into a person from the outside can him? What is he, He's talking about the food thing, right? For it doesn't go into his heart, but into his stomach, and is eliminated. What's he talking? The thing he's saying is, listen, the people around you, these religious leaders, really concerned about, about obeying these customs. And these customs are not what makes you right. The customs are not what makes you wrong. There's something deeper. Verse 20, and he said, what comes out of a person is what defiles him. For from within, out of people's hearts, come evil thoughts. Sexual immoralities, thefts, murders, adulteries, greed, evil actions, deceit, self-indulgence, envy, slander, pride and foolishness. All these evil things come from within and defile a person. Now they didn't make a worship song about that verse, did they? My heart is jacked up, you know), <laughs> you know? You know, like, then, you know that, that's not on the post on everybody's wall, is it? You know, like, nobody's posting that one on YouTube. You know, like, like that, like, But Jesus doesn't just say nice, quotable things. He tells us true things that actually kind of might cut us a little bit, but the true. See, the source of our spiritual problem is not primarily about some actions or rituals that we do or do not do. The source of our spiritual problem is about what comes out of us. The reality is this. When you wake up in the morning, you don't have to go, let me try to sin today. It, I hope you don't do that. You might. But even if you said, hey, yo, I ain't going to sin today. When you get to the end of the day. I don't think you're going to make it happen. It, here's, here's really, even if you spent the whole day by yourself. I ain't talking to nobody. I watched TV and I was feeling some kind of way about somebody. You, you, it's a problem that you can't escape, but it's a problem that you can't blame on somebody else. You can't, you can't look at somebody else and, and feel superior because you have the same issue. We all have the same issue. Now, listen, I, I hope that not everybody has everything that on the list. I hope that everybody over here is being, uh, having evil thoughts, sexual morality, thefts, murders, adulteries, whatever, but, but all of us got one of them. Let's just keep it 100. All of us got something going on in the heart. And we can't say it was based on that person or this person because when we walk away from that person, We still feel those things in our heart. And here's something you need to understand. The Bible's picture of humanity, I want you to, I think this is what we think it is. The Bible's picture of humanity is is not this. Humans are generally good and they just make some mistakes. That's not what it is, that's not what he said. That is, that is not, the picture is, is this, is that, that sin is actually a part of your nature, so much so that you don't have to try for it to come out. Let me go on and explain what, what I mean by sin nature versus actions. It, it would be like somebody going, hey, look at that dog. Why does it bark? It's a dog. It's what they do, right? Now, if the dog was meowing, we'd be confused, right? But the dog is barking because it's a dog. Why? It's in its nature to do that. So of the question. Why do we sin? In our nature. The, 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 the Bible points to the problem of humanity that it's not simply actions that we do sometimes, but there is something deep. Dark. Some of y'all know I like to listen to Christian rap and and I'm going to quote it. Now, I'm going to wrap it to you. Maybe one day. But, but listen, it's, this is a song. This is, this, is a, this is some lyrics from a song. It says, my biggest problems, not thinking I'm the biggest problem. We do this thing so often. The heart of the matter is my heart is the matter. God's image in me is marred and is shattered. Listen, listen, God made all of us in his image to reflect his goodness and his beauty. There are times that, that we do that. You know, if you look at a mirror that's broken, it's going to show you what, what you look like some of the times. But then it's also going to show you some of those cracks. Yeah? We're a broken mirror. We, we, we sometimes mirror the God that creative, uh, created us and then we sometimes don't. And we are in this condition not because we made an accident or we tripped up, but because it comes from our That's what, the, that's what Paul says in Ephesians 2. He, he describes our condition. Ephesians 2, verses 1 to 3, it says, And you, y'all, if you will, and y'all were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you previously walked according to the ways of this world, according to the ruler of the power of the air, the spirit now at work in disobedience. He said, Before you came to Christ, your spiritual condition is dead. Not sick, not limping, Not kind of okay, you're dead, okay? And verse 3 says, we too, all, everybody, him, him, me, everybody, we all previously lived among them in our fleshly desires, carrying out the inclinations of our flesh and thoughts. And get this, and we were by nature children under wrath as the others. In other words, he's saying, listen, your natural condition, it means that what comes from your heart is, is things that God dislikes and that it deserves wrath. That, that is the condition. Now, understanding the problem puts the solution in, in, in uh, kind of a, a greater view. If you understand the problem accurately, you can understand the solution accurately as well. Our problem. Was that we have sin that comes from our hearts and we don't have to try to make it happen. It just happens. And God looks on us and has compassion anyway. I know your heart's broken. I know you do stuff that you once you did it, you're like, doggone it, why did I do that thing? I I know that you don't have to try, your foot gets in your mouth. I know that. Listen, listen, I love you so much that I've sent my son Jesus Christ. To save you. Now, what, what does this mean? Look, look Christ came to, to save us from our sin and our sinful selves. See, he is the one who lived without sin. There, there's never a point in his life where he has this experience that sin is flowing at his heart like we do. He was pure in heart. Listen, Jesus said the greatest command is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Listen, he fulfilled that. At the moment of greatest weakness, when he's at the garden thinking about the cross that is supposed to be put on his back, he says, not my will, but your will. He loves God. And the moment of his agony when he is on the cross and people are looking at him, shaking their head and saying, well, you said you were this great person. Why don't you come down? What comes out of his mouth is father, forgive them. From his soul, he obeyed God. It wasn't, he's the exact opposite of us. His nature is holy and righteous and good. And what flows naturally out of him is things that honor and please God, things that bless other people. And beloved, if anyone deserved to die on the cross, it was not him. Yet the one who had a pure heart, he died on on the cross in our place. And and in another rap song, it says, Jesus, he's appeased the judge who's just. And his heart beats with thumps of love for us. Listen, listen, our sin, not just the actions, but the very nature, actually are deserving of a judgment from the just judge. But The just judge has provided an advocate for us. That Jesus Christ died on the cross in our place. Why? Because he loves you. His heart beats with thumps of love for us. And this same Jesus rose from the dead. And he uses his power over death and sin to make us new. Listen, we got two problems according to this text. The first problem is, is we sin, right? And we have a sin nature. The second problem is it says that, that our hearts are just inclined. So what about the inclination? What are we going to do about that? Listen, the Bible says that Jesus not only forgives us for our sins, but he gives us a new heart. Listen to this prophecy from Ezekiel. It says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will remove your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I will place my spirit within you and cause you to follow my statutes and carefully Observe my ordinances. In other words, when Jesus comes into the human heart, he renovates it. And at, at the core, he makes you to want to love him and love others. The heart that was once purely a fountain of sin actually have a, has a seed of holiness within it now. Listen, something to think about: if, if you have an inclination to want to love God and want to love your neighbor, that's a gift from the Spirit. That, that's a gift that he gave you. Because your heart is not naturally inclined that way. But he loves you so much, he says, let me renovate this thing. Let me go to the core. Let me, let me take out that, that heart that was unresponsive and put in a heart that is. This is the, the, the hope that we have in Christ, that he forgives us, that he makes us new, and he gives us new desires for God. Listen. There was a point in my life where I did not care about God. I just, like, I wasn't mad at him. I just like, I don't care. Christians, go do your thing. It's fine, whatever. I'm going to do me. I'm going to do me. Y'all do y'all. All All right? I'm going to be over here. But then there was a point where Jesus took my stony heart and made it responsive to him. And the God that I didn't care about, I began to love. Why? Not because of me, not because my heart was so good, but because he gave me a new heart. And that is the promise that he has for anybody that will call on his name. That you will have forgiveness and a new heart. Now listen, today we have one of the coolest applications you have at the sermon, which is the baptism. Yeah, we're going to witness the baptism today and, and we're going to see it as a symbol of how Jesus fixes our sin problem. See, see, baptism is chiefly about Christ. In Romans 6, it talks about how, how when someone goes down in baptism, it represents Christ dying for our sins. And that when they come up, it represents Christ rising from the dead. But also it represents this other thing that remember we had this heart issue, this heart that was not inclined to God whatsoever. It says that the old man, that one that was against God, he dies. Then it says the power that rose Jesus Christ from the dead lives in that person. He takes care of our forgiveness, our cleansing, and making us new. Now, what I want you to do is I want you to be, be careful, not, not just you, us. I want us to be careful to not fall into the traps of the Pharisees. In other words, we need to, we need to use God's commandments as a grid for self-examination. We need to be careful that our standard is not cultural, but that it's biblical. Yeah? James says that the word of God is like a mirror, and that if we look at it, we will see ourselves for who we are. Now, that doesn't have to make you only sad. When you see your sin, you go where? You go to Christ. Christ receive his forgiveness and his renewal again. But we just have to be careful because over the years, it's very easy for, for churches and church cultures to elevate things that are not commands. They're not commands they're preferences. And it allows us to disregard what was actually written. I'll give you an example. One of the commandments, it says that we should not steal. I hope none of y'all steal it. Please don't. But if you examine that command, you save it and think about it. This is how, this is how Martin Luther describes this command. It says, We should fear and love God so that we do not take our neighbor's money or possession, got it, or get them in any dishonest way, ooh, but help him to improve and protect his possessions and income. And so you sit with that commandment and go, Am I proactively helping people? Now that commandment can examine you and the spirit can do work and it does way more than some cultural religious practices it uses the word of god to examine your heart that means that, that christ uses can use the word to identify and uproot sin that's why we're so we try we try our best to sit, stick close to the scriptures that's why i preach about stuff that's it says when, it, when do you think i this week i was like you know what i want to preach about unwashed hands that was But I want to be about the scripture. We need that to be what is testing our heart and nothing else. The last thing I'll say is that that we can look at the scripture and say the the measure of spiritual maturity is love. The measure of maturity is not how many religious acts you do. Right. Because they the Pharisees are like, I do this, 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 this. And Jesus says, but you don't like your dad. That I mean, is just straight up. Like you, 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 you think yourself, you feel good about yourself, but you hate your mama. That's a problem. Listen, if Jesus has changed our heart, the end result is not simply more religious acts, it is love expressed to our neighbor. And that's what Jesus does. He gives us a heart that cares about God and that loves those. Jesus, I thank you so much for your word. I pray that you would, you would examine us with your word. Lord God, if, if, if any of us, if we are, are using religious acts or religious words to cover up disobedience, would you please convict us? Lord God, would you, would you help us to live according to your standards, not arbitrary cultural standards, but standards that are written in your word. And Lord, I pray if there's someone in here who hasn't, who hasn't experienced a forgiveness in that new heart, Lord, would you draw them to yourself right now? Let them know they can call on you and that you will not respond in anger but in gentleness and forgiveness. Lord, we praise you, we honor you, we thank you for the gospel that forgives us of the sins of our heart and gives us In Jesus' name.